So last week was jam-packed, huh? Sure was. We had some really good cocktails. Delicious. That pumpkin one was surprisingly delicious. I think I finally understand the appeal of pumpkin. Oh, I'm glad you're coming around on it. We should talk about autumn stuff and pumpkins. I think people know about pumpkins. Pumpkin spice is kind of a big... I must tell people about pumpkins! They know. Okay. Okay, okay. So autumn equals all things pumpkin. And truth be told, I've never really gotten into it, but I do love autumn-y things. Like wearing sweaters with thumb holes, drinking hot drinks, and generally looking cute against bold jewel tones outside. (laughs) There's more to autumn than just pumpkins, though. It's a time of resetting as the leaves change, but also a time of harvest and bounty as we get ready to gather together at the end of the year. Ooh, yeah. Something in my witchy soul vibes with the concept of harvest. I I don't know why. As I've said before, food is how you get us to go pretty much anywhere. And I think the drink and make merry part of eat, drink and make merry really helped me to prepare for the coming deep freeze. Traumatic. (laughs) It's cold. Not that cold. Okay. Well, not yet, says you. So most folks aren't going out into their fields to reap much of anything these days, but um, you can still get your harvest vibe on for at least one afternoon, venturing out into one of our fave autumn spots, the apple orchard. Yes. We've been going apple picking for a couple of years now and always have a lovely day. I think the first time we went as adults, we were talking about going apple picking as kids and how much fun it was eating all the apples you can. Oh my gosh, yes. I went on a trip when I was probably like six or seven. I was going to say five or six, but that's that might be ridiculous. <laughs> six or seven. And it stuck with me. I, like from every every bit of it, even from the trip up there, I personally found it hilarious being on a school bus with adults. I, I don't know why that was so funny to me. I remember being held up on shoulders to get the apples because I was so small. I don't, I have no idea where we went. I just remember that it was a trip from Brooklyn. It was on a school bus and I got to stand on a lot of shoulders and it was just super fun. So in sharing these stories, we were like, yeah, let's let's start doing that again. Well, you're not that much bigger. I can still pick you up to get the apples if you want. That's I think I'd like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, a few tips if this is your first time apple picking. Most of the places we've been to will sell you a half bushel bag to fill, which is really big. It's way more apples than you think. So be sure that you have something to do with them. Because at first, the, I remember we went apple picking the first time. We're like, yeah, let's fill the bag. And we got them home. And I'm just looking at them in the kitchen. I'm like, what am I going to do with all these things? I didn't know what a ha- Who knows what a bushel is? So I was a little disappointed because I was like, I want a bushel. So I can, you know, bushel in a peck my way through the forest or whatever. Half bushels more than enough. It really is. It's um, maybe the size of like two very full like plastic shopping bags if you go you know just for the groceries it's about the size of two of those next to each other it's, it's a lot of apples so i i've decided many years ago when we started doing this i'm just gonna start baking pies like crazy so i always make apple pies for the fall season once we go apple picking because it only takes like three or four to get a full pie yeah they're big too like fresh off the tree apples are be huge we're getting we're getting robbed at the supermarket <laughs> I support your decision to make apple pies because your apple pies are awesome. I do put them into pancakes. I love fresh apples on my oatmeal, like the quick cut oats. 
it gives you a little crunch and my favorite thing to do with them and it really only takes I, I push it with one full apple and it only takes like a half an apple is uh, Ina Garten's apple tart it's so easy and it makes for a cool breakfast and it makes me feel like I'm not eating cake for breakfast because it has fresh apples so <laughs> we uh we get up to a lot of baking in the autumn with all the apples that we get so next pro tip is bring a wagon we maybe two years ago we do a lot of picnics and schlepping stuff from the edge of central park into central park in sandals when you're small <laughs> very difficult and paul gets stuck with the heavy stuff so two years ago we invested in a wagon and we started bringing it with us for picnics but also in the park it's a game changer you can put that big heavy ass bag in there and as you're like hiking through the orchard if you have to take off a layer or two you can uh, you can throw your purse in there you can throw your coat in there it's great to have your hands free for more apple gathering. If you don't have a wagon, one of the things we figured out this year is you can grab a bag for your bag. So if you have a heavy-duty canvas yeah. bag, we used our Trader Joe's bags. Those things are great. Uh, it can definitely make carrying it a lot easier. The bag we got to the orchard we went through this year didn't have handles. It was just like a big mesh bag with a drawstring. Yeah, uh, folks were carrying it on their shoulders like a big potato sack. I... <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, Less than ideal. So I'm really happy that we brought the bags that made everything a lot easier. Yeah. Anything you can use. At one point, we used to have an umbrella stroller in the trunk for my cousin, who is now a college man, and I feel super old. But uh, it, that's how that's how we got started with this. We were like, this is way too heavy. I'm going to run to the car and see what we have. So it was just like a little $15 umbrella stroller for the off chance he was with us. Anything you can bring to help carry the bag, because not only is a half bushel of apples bigger than you think, heavier than you think oh yes also um to go with friends you know when i say anything you can <laughs> anything you can bring to help you carry apples that counts people people count um and also because it's so many apples it's so much more fun you can like apple spotting oh look at this one i got that one that one's better and it's just really fun to spend a day in the orchard with your friends um it's it's more magical than it sounds it sounds kind of silly but in the right weather it's a wonderful day. This will require a little foresight on your part. But some orchards have really tall trees and you're not allowed to climb them because insurance and stuff. They don't want you falling yeah, of off. So if you're going to a place that has tall trees, you want to invest in a picker pole basket, which you can get from an online store or if you're really crafty and make your own, that works too. I, um, I remember using one in that original trip when I was a kid and being really afraid to like pull the apple because I don't want leaves hitting me in the face. Uh, so you can just also bring a short friend, you know, like me. <laughs> Hoist them up on your shoulders. They can grab the apples if you don't want the commitment of having to store the picker pole basket. Bring there a short friend. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Every orchard we've been to has been very chill, but they do want to make sure you're not taking more than you should. So when you're leaving at the end of the day, they're going to ask to take a peek into the trunk of your car if you drive out there. So don't be surprised. It's not a big deal. They just want to make sure that you're not smuggling an extra bag of apples out of the back of your car. Yeah, most of them, um, I think, all honestly, I won't say most, all of the orchards we've been to, uh, you can eat the apples while you're in the orchard. If you, I think one of the first times we went, was it Jonah Red, Ida Red, Ida Red apples? We were like, what the heck is that? And they do have some cut up when you arrive, you can taste them, but you can also sample an apple. So there's really no reason to... That was something I saw on the review of the orchard that we tried out this year, was that people were like, they inspected my car and treated me like a criminal. 
Get over it. <laughs> they just, you know, I'm sure it's a difficult business model. Here, come pick the fruit in our, on our farm. You have to look at profit margins and just make sure people aren't being shady. And honestly, you only have to put up a sign if someone tried to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not you. It's oh, one of the orchards we go to literally has signs that says, please don't throw apples. Yeah, I that sign makes me sad every time I see it. It kind of makes me want to throw apples. Yeah, I can't take you anywhere. I want to throw them into my mouth. That's better. Okay. Different varieties of apples that I want to throw in my mouth are ripe at different times. So most orchards have a, a listing on their website where you can go and check if you're an apple snob like me and you want to go for a specific. We usually wind up going late October because we love the good Honeycrisps and the Fujis. But we just kind of took a chance this year. We were like, let's just go see what they've got. So you can check it out if you have a specific favorite type of apple. Um, And also just make sure that there are going to be apples. Sometimes the season closes early. You know, it's not like Six Flags where it's from this date to this date. Sometimes the season starts late, ends early. So just check it out. Make sure you check their website. One of your most brilliant ideas that I really enjoyed was... We always pick a variety of apples when we go, at least two to three different kinds. And when you get them home, it's not always easy to tell which one's which when you're looking in the bag. So you came up with the great idea to use colored stickers. So yeah. all of the apples that are Jonah Gold's or yellow and all the Fuji's have a red sticker or green sticker or whatever. I thought that was pure genius. And I think that's a good tip for people who are going to go apple picking. If you're going to go and get different varieties... Put a sticker on them when you put them in your bag, and then you'll know which one's which when you bring them home. Yeah, I think it started because I had random post-it flags in my purse, and so we were trying to keep them separate in the bag. Like, okay, all the Honeycrisps are on the bottom, but of course, as you're carrying the bag, they shift. So it came in handy to be an organization nerd. I don't know. I To this day, I have no idea why there were post-it flags in my purse, but they were. It's just magical like that. And now it's a pro tip. That's vortex magic. Just (laughs) post-it flags. So, living in the Northeast, there are lots of orchard by us. So, if you're in the New York City metro area, which we are, here are a few places you can check out. We're going to start with the Milk Pail, which was the first one that we went to together. This is in eastern Long Island. It's near the Hamptons, so it's a bit of a drive, but it's a lovely area. It's one of our favorites, and they grow their trees really short on these long wire scaffolds, I guess, for lack of a better term. So they're very easily accessible. Plus, you're close to the South Shore. There's always a nice breeze coming in from the bay. It's always a beautiful weather when we go out there. It's about a two-hour drive from the city, or the closest Long Island Railroad stop is in Bridgehampton, and then you can take a cab south to the orchard. That's a really nice ride, too. Um, I, I know it seems like a really long time to spend on the train, but you get your hot cocoa. I've seen people on the Montauk train with blankets. Like There's there's no shame. Like You just get comfortable. Along with a good train nap. Yeah. like people, it, It's a long it's a long ride. And it's fun because, especially on the weekends, everyone's going out there. It's not really, it's not a commuter train. You know what you're on the train for, so it's a really nice vibe. I think we actually started going to the Milk Pail because of the short trees. I was like, yes, I can reach them. So that was really fun. Yeah. One of the things we've learned from our visits out there is if you can't find the apples you're looking for, just keep walking down the row. People don't like to go too far, so usually the first couple of trees are picked clean by the time we go there, but we always just go down a bit further, just a little further, and we always find trees that are still flush with apples 
as long as we're willing to just walk a little bit further than everyone else. I mean, we're always willing to walk a little bit further than anyone else. That's kind of our MO, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, especially at the milk pail, I mean, at most orchards, of course, if there's an entrance, there's an exit. So you can go all the way to the end of the row and come back. And most people just go down like the first, you know, six or eight trees and turn around because they don't, the rows are very long. Being a city kid, farms are huge. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a ball field. Farms are huge. So most people, you know, they you can drive right up. They go in a couple trees. They go out a couple trees. So if you're really there to spend the day, you're going to get some really, it, the, it, the rewards are worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> if you need a snack, there's a stand at the orchard that has hot cider and donuts and other snacks. Like, I think they have one of your favorites. Maple cotton candy. I've never heard of it before. I've never seen it anywhere else. I probably shouldn't. That's probably for the best, but always a treat. And it's, especially if it's chilly, nice hot apple cider. That keeps me going a little little longer. Also, there's a farm stand on the main road where you can get donuts and pies and bags of apples that have been pre-picked. Other seasonal fruit. They have local honey. They have candles. It's a great little shop. It's so cute. I always love going in there and taking a look around, maybe buying a pie or two. Oh, yeah. I think they also ship. So whenever we're talking about all the delicious apples and apple pies and our our friends and fam far away, I missed apples from the Northeast. You can ship them a pie. So that's pretty cool. It's all nice and, you know, cold packed. They just push it in the oven. Good to go. Nothing says love like shipping someone a pie. That's true. Why don't people send pies more? Mm -hmm. That's what I want for Christmas. I want everybody to send me pies. There are also a ton of, you know, if you're on that main road and you've grabbed your pies, you've grabbed a hot donut, there are also a ton of really cute restaurants along Montauk Highway. There are shops, art galleries, and coffee shops, so you can really make a day of it. I think the orchard closes at 4.30 or 5, because orchard, so there isn't really light. (laughs) But you can't, it doesn't mean you have to go home. You know, you can spend the day, there's a great barbecue place. We usually wind up at Hampton Coffee Company because I'm cold, but they have a great, great vibe. It's usually not too packed and we can just hang out on the couches, think about all the awesome, like look up recipes on Pinterest and just sip coffee and hang out. I always like to buy you a cup of coffee on the way home as a sorry for keeping you outside all day. It always makes it better. Like it was already a great day and then a hot cup of coffee makes anything better. So that's our first orchard. The next one that we went to go to was Masker. We went here Mm -hmm. last year. It's a large property with big hills. So be prepared to do some hiking, which of course is what made it appeal to me. (laughs) It's only about an hour and a half drive from New York City, or there's actually a bus from the Port Authority to Warwick, New York, where the orchard is. It's a two hour ride and you want to make sure you check the schedule because you don't want to miss that bus home. Oh, I'm sure that would be a heck of an Uber. (laughs) I wonder if that's the one we were on. I have no idea. My mother has no idea either. I've, I've asked. They actually, if you wind up driving, they allow you to drive into the orchard pretty far. So again, farms are huge. So if you've picked, you know, a couple of Honeycrisps and then the Fujis are like a solid quarter of a mile away and you've got a couple of people with you or kids in tow, they actually allow you to drive um, on the paths in the orchard so you don't have to climb the whole way. You can bring a picnic blanket if you want, find a shady tree. They, they encourage picnicking and apple snacking and just hanging out for the day. It's a really um, family-friendly atmosphere. Yeah, one of the things you'll notice is that pretty much every orchard, they don't have any rules against you eating the apples while you're on the grounds. 
So if you feel like you can eat more than one apple, go for it. <laughs> uh, usually we'll eat one to test it, see what the taste is like, especially if it's one we haven't had before. But gone is my hubris of thinking I'm going to eat eight apples today. You know, I know that that is absolutely not realistic. Trying to keep those doctors far away. Right. <laughs> There is a super cute indoor shop on the massacre grounds there, and they sell so many pies. I feel like no matter which direction I look, it's like, here's this kind of pie, and here's that kind of pie. There are also a few local crafts from the area. It was a great little shop, very cute. Definitely recommend stopping in there before you head out. It was really adorable. I also loved the combinations. A lot of these orchards have other fruits that aren't available for you pick, so you'll have like an apple blackberry pie, an apple blueberry pie. So that's pretty cool. I like that. This is a pie-heavy episode. <laughs> Look, we're fans of pie. We have to bake a pie after Unashamedly. <laughs> so that was last year. This year, uh, in the same, same-ish same area, we went to uh, Pennings. And we did so because I was looking, you know, we're just trying to sort out, see should we go to the same place, new place. And I noticed um, Pennings also had a cidery. So it, we were like, two for one, let's do it. It's also about an hour and a half away from NYC. Uh, it's further from the Warwick Park and Ride, so if you're going to take a bus up there, you're definitely going to need a cab to get you the rest of the way. So this was a uh, working farm, and they had a barn with mini cows. Mini cows was definitely a selling point for me. They were so small. <laughs> they had not only mini cows, but two baby cows. So they were baby mini cows. They were like my size. They were so cute. They were like the size of large dogs. They were adorable. They were so small. I got to pet one at the end of the day because they came up to the fence to hang out with all the people. So I got to pet a tiny baby cow. Yeah, they were clearly like really used to people and folks were loving it. We could hear that cow mooing and lowing pretty much wherever we went in the area. We spent the day up there and we heard that cow. The cow was vocal. It helped to orient myself. I was like, oh, where'd that come from? Okay, (laughs) farm's that way. Got it. They also have a farm stand for buying produce that they grow on their farm. Uh, we didn't check that out because we were too busy getting drinks. Oh, yeah. That, that's cidery. <laughs> yes. So we went to the cidery after we picked our apples. And man, that is where the party is. It was, yeah, it was jumping, jumping. Like the, the orchard itself was pretty packed, but not, you know, not in a bad way. It was full cidery. The, talk about a party. They actually had a variety of ciders, so you can get flights if you're feeling indecisive, which I was. I sort of recommend this, but I sort of don't recommend this. <laughs> it was a lot of cider for you. <laughs> but it was it was cool because they were, I mean, it was so fresh. They were combinations that I hadn't thought of, very dry ciders. There was a watermelon cider, which was super weird. It really tasted like drinking watermelon juice. Never experienced that before. So that was pretty fun. And they also had that pumpkin cider that you actually enjoyed. I did. I'm. This is the year I'm coming around on pumpkin, apparently. <laughs> they had food as well. There were pizzas, but the wait was super long when we were there. So there were also some food trucks. So we looked into that. Yeah. And there were some local vendors that were selling candles. There were some people selling art. It was a very, very cool scene. Uh, the music was really chill. Crowd was big. Even for a Sunday, it seems like it's a popular spot to hang yeah. in the autumn. Weather got a bit chilly as the sun was going down, so be sure check the temperatures and bring an extra layer. Yeah, we had left our coats in the car because it was very nice when we were in the orchard. But man, as soon as the sun dipped below the tree line, the party didn't stop. But 
I, my heart almost did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you ran to grab the jackets. And once we had our coats on and hats, I could have stayed out there for longer. It was to definitely bring an extra layer. If you're prepared, you won't have to move. There are trips from New York City for lots of different orchards. I don't know about these specific orchards, but you know, if you're if you're in the mood to go apple picking and you don't feel like taking the car, uh, just a quick Google search will find you a couple of trips from New York City, like the bus from Port Authority. So there are ways to do this without having to drive. And then you can get lit at the cidery. <laughs> no one has to drive home. <laughs> that was my concern. I was like, man, if we're drinking here, who's going to drive home? But I, I managed to maintain pretty well and yeah. I sobered up quickly enough to get us home before it got too dark. That cold will sober you right up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, we're talking about pumpkin and that is pretty much the fruit of the autumn these days. So... It's that season, you want to maybe bake some pies, you want to carve a jack-o'-lantern for Halloween, you need yourself a pumpkin. Where do you go? Well, most of these orchards also have pumpkin patches yeah. where you can go and pick stuff. But if you're in the New York City area and you don't want to just go to your bodega and grab a pumpkin <laughs> outside, Governor's Island has a pumpkin patch. That's really interesting. I it, feel like that's the, the ultimate... <laughs> It's something that I just learned about when doing research for this episode. I had no idea they did it, but it's super cute. You just take the ferry over to Governor's Island, and they have a pumpkin patch laid out where the kids can run around. They can look at the pumpkins. You can look at their pumpkins, grab the one you want, and you get to carry it home. I love that. And again, no driving, and you get a nice little boat ride. I mean, most apple orchards, yeah, have pumpkin patches, but they're a solid the governor's island ferry is only a few minutes and you don't really have to worry about missing the last one they they make sure you catch that last ferry so you don't have to worry about getting stranded yeah they will definitely announce when the last boat is leaving the tickets are cheap they're it's like four dollars kids seniors and other groups get free tickets so it's a very inexpensive way to get there just make sure you book the tickets in advance because it's just so much easier the last time we went to governor's island we had tickets ready to go and we took the ferry from Manhattan. Yes. Um, not, it's like right next to the Staten Island Ferry Terminal. But there also is one for the coast Brooklyn as well. Yes, which is new. Um, so that's pretty cool. I, I like that there's more and more access New York, um, New York waterways. So picking the pumpkins is technically free, but they do ask for a suggested donation. So this way you can kind of, I don't, I honestly have never, we've been to so many apple orchards. I don't know how much pumpkins cost. <laughs> I'm very Lucille Bluth right now. Like it's a pumpkin. How much could it cost? I have no idea. So that's pretty cool too, that picking the pumpkins is free, but they ask for a donation. So it's kind of a pay what you wish, which is a very New York city artsy way to do things. I love that. Now, if you're looking for authenticity, this is not it. They call it a pumpkin patch, but the pumpkins aren't growing on the island. So it's a fun recreation of a pumpkin patch, but not quite the same. You may not miss the experience of getting mud all over your shoes. That's your call. I'm not going to judge. I feel like this is my kind of pumpkin patch. Very like, much a city kid kind of thing. I don't know if I want to like, if I find the perfect pumpkin, which again, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if I want to wrestle it off the vine. I, I like the idea. I like the idea of bodega pumpkins, but in a patch, in patch form. So I'm outdoors and I don't feel, I feel better about it. I like it. <laughs> There's usually some food vendors on the island as well, so you can spend some time relaxing, enjoying the unparalleled views of New York City, maybe have like a hot panini or something. Ooh, yes. I think the first time we were on Governor's Island, one of the food trucks, we recognized the person in the food truck, and we couldn't place her face. It was someone from Top Chef, 
and we were so excited. I mean, the food was amazing, but we were just so excited to have that moment like, oh, we know this is good food. Yes. It was definitely an exciting moment to just sit there and be like, ooh, a celebrity chef. Right? In a truck on an island in New York. That's that's very New York. Another pumpkin-related event in the New York City area is the Jack-O-Lantern Flotilla. This takes place in Central Park at the Harlem Mirror, which is in the northeast corner of the park. And this year, the event is on Thursday, October 26th. It's from 6 to 7 p.m. And... Best of all, it's a free event. That's it's hard to find free stuff in New York City. So once you've gotten your pumpkin, scooped out of the middle, made a pie, carved it into a jack-o'-lantern, you bring it over to the Harlem Mirror and participate in this in this event. Absolutely. You can bring your own carved jack-o'-lantern, have it join the flotilla. You have to make sure it meets all the qualifications. It has to be at least eight pounds after being hollowed and carved out. Oh, that's a big pumpkin. No artificial decorations, paint, or glitter or anything. This is if your pumpkin falls into the lake, it could harm the wildlife that lives there if it has any of this stuff on it. So it has to be au naturel. That makes sense. That There's makes no... me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need to bring a candle or light either. They'll provide it for you. And pumpkins are accepted on a first-come, first-served basis starting at 4 p.m. Ah, perfect. It used to be called the pumpkin sale, but since there's no actual sailing taking place, they changed the name to the pumpkin flotilla. It's adorable. They basically have these little wooden squares that they drag behind a kayak in the lake, and a pumpkin sits on each square as they float along. It's like a pumpkin parade on the water. It is a pumpkin parade on the water. That is exactly what it is. (laughs) New York City can be super cute sometimes. It's a hard city, but we're adorable. So if you don't want to carve your own pumpkin, but you do want to see if the the flotilla intrigues you, but also you're thinking, maybe I want more than a couple of pumpkins. Maybe I want to see like thousands of pumpkins. You will have to hop in the hop in a car. But outside of New York City, uh, both in the Hudson Valley and on Long Island, there's an event called the Pumpkin Blaze. And that is impressive. I mean, literally thousands of pumpkins. This has been going on for a bunch of years now. Uh, It takes place from early October to early November. So you have plenty of chances to go see it. We went last year and we spent over an hour. It was on Cortland Manor. And really, I keep saying thousands because I don't remember how many thousands. But it was a lot of pumpkins. Um, We spent an hour walking the grounds. And it was incredible to see. They have these really big multi-pumpkin sculptures. They got statues. There are skeletons. There's a headless horseman. Recreations of famous paintings. They even had a big suspension bridge that you could walk over that was built with carved pumpkins. It was really cool to see. There was a New York City subway like station, the, the entryway, and a working merry-go-round. You couldn't go on it, obviously, but it was to scale it was a full-sized merry-go-round that was operational and it was made of carved pumpkins everything that they put into this was just really impressive we had such a good time i highly recommend going to check out the pumpkin blaze it sells out super early there's one up here um hudson valley blaze is in Cortland manor and there's another one in old beth page out on long island i remember a friend mentioning it So when I was able to get tickets, I had to look back in my email. Who mentioned that to me? Someone sent this to me. And I found the friend. I found the email. It was from four years ago. So we had been trying to get tickets literally for years. 
So you have to be, if you want to you know, check out the website, if it's something you want to see, you've, it's like a Ticketmaster like release. You got to be ready to pounce. <laughs> you really need to buy your tickets in advance. The weekend events are already selling out. They stay open into the first few days of November. They are a bit pricey. It's like 62 bucks each for earlier times and $52 for later times. There is a generous presale for historic Hudson Valley members. So if you sign up, it's free to join. You can download the app or not. You know, you can just sign in. But I was able that's how I was able to get tickets so early and for a little bit less last year. So that was super cool. And it supports historic Hudson Valley, which, you know, we're fans of. (laughs) They have a refreshments tent where they sell cider and some alcoholic beverages. But it was closing down when we went during the last window. So if you want to get into the revelry, show up for one of the earlier times. Yeah, I wasn't sure about what the rest of our day was going to look like. So we chose the later slot because we're, we're night owls. But yeah, we missed there. You know, I would have liked to stay a little bit longer. We were literally the last people to walk out and they were so gracious. They were very nice. Um, I didn't realize we were the last people to walk out until we walked out and everyone in the tent was saying, OK, good night. And as soon as we turned our backs after the good night to walk to our car, all the lights went out. I had a little bit of a horror movie moment. <laughs> I was like, why were they so nice? Why is everything dark? But they it was it was they just want you to come and see everything. Of course, everyone wants to show off this amazing thing that was made. So whatever time you go, it's going to be incredible. But I would definitely recommend an early ish time, like eight o'clock. I don't mean like go in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about apples. We talked about pumpkins. What's more autumn stuff that we can talk about? Ah, yes. Changing of the leaves. If you're looking to enjoy the turning of the leaves, there's several great ways to see those beautiful colors in the New York area. We can start with boat rides. Boat rides. Yes. Why not travel the Hudson River and see the autumn foliage? We talk so much about hiking and like walking. Let's talk about boating. There's no walking involved. Most people don't know that both of us grew up on boats. Yeah, that's true. I do love love a good boat ride. I mean, these and these boats are obviously not tiny sailboats. They're big, so you don't no work involved. It's great. <laughs> um, the Circle Line does a Bear Mountain Oktoberfest cruise, which you know you think of the Hudson River and you think of boats, you think of Circle Line. I've never been on it, but we did meet some friends at Bear Mountain who had taken the cruise, so we got to talk a little bit about it. Um, they've got beer, live music, German themed food. It's only on the weekends, and the tickets start at $79. And this way, you kind of start the party. As soon as you get on the boat is when the party starts, because it's an Oktoberfest cruise up to Bear Mountain. They had a lot of fun with it when we talked to them about it. They seem to be really enjoying it. Yeah. So I'd be interested in checking that out on a personal level, too. Absolutely. Love a good uh, you know, German-themed food and some beer, mm-hmm. some oompa music. I'm down. <laughs> the Sea Streak also does a fall foliage toward a cold spring. Uh, The boat stops at several locations, so make sure you know when you're being picked up and dropped off. You have about four hours in Cold Spring to visit shops and restaurants and a 19th century waterfront Main Street. They make it sound so picturesque. It is. It's so cute. The round trip ticket for an adult is about $100. The Sea Streak is the boat we chose, but we actually didn't make it to Cold Spring because we got off at Bear Mountain. Because you have a little bit longer, it's four hours at Cold Spring, but you have a little bit longer on the Bear Mountain side at the first stop. So we got to explore a little bit more. And they definitely, 
<laughs> we chose the C streak over the circle line just for this time because they had me at narrated tour provided by our professional guide. So they give you historic points as you cruise up the Hudson. You can hang out downstairs where there's a full service bar upstairs where it's open, open air, which we started out upstairs because yay, open air, the breeze. It's October. <laughs> and that boat goes fast. It does. We were trucking it. So which, there, is a, there is a good breeze out there. Up which the open is, deck. you get a little more time. Yeah, but ooh, they make up that time. So we went into, we got comfy on the second level, which is fully enclosed. It was like a really big airplane. The seats were super comfortable. Everyone had a fold down tray table and it's, there's huge windows all around. So as you're cruising up the Hudson, they point out different historic, you know, this is the Palisades Park. This is, we're passing through Tarrytown. And they pass under the Tappan Zee Bridge and they actually do encourage you to go back out upstairs and take a really cool photo. But the uh, narrated, historical narrated tour is, I'm coming around on that too. That's how you get me. Yeah, I mean, the tour guide, <laughs> she was really great. Uh, I got to speak with her a little bit when she wasn't running through her spiel about it. Uh, she pointed out the tiny lighthouse that's under the George Washington Bridge that you can't really see unless you're on the water. It was great. I had such a good time. I learned so many cool things about the area that I didn't know before. I really enjoyed the tour. Fully. I had been looking for little, it's called Little Red Lighthouse, and we see it on the map all the time, and I can never, I mean, I know it's a lighthouse. It's not going to be at the end of the block, but you can't see it from land. So I just thought it wasn't there anymore. And um, so I was really excited that she showed. I was like, no wonder I can't find it. And she gave us some inside info. I think you can not tour it because it is really tiny, but there are different like historical lighthouse cruises. So she gave us some inside info. I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, we didn't quite make it to Cold Spring because we got off at Bear Mountain State Park, which was a lovely place to visit in the autumn. It's about 50 miles north of New York City rises 1,200 feet above the west bank of the Hudson River. It is beautiful. Everybody in the area, in the lower Hudson Valley area, I didn't say upstate, knows about Bear Mountain. It's a really big destination, especially in the summer, but in the autumn, it's a great destination too. I say upstate. <laughs> I'm picking fights. Oh, I'm starting no. fights on the airways. And so Bear Mountain State Park is 5,000 acres of just pristine Hudson Valley parkland for your leaf peeping pleasure. I mean, it's amazing in the summer, but leaf peeping. Naughty leaf peeper, you. It's so fun to say. Um, it's, I mean, it's gorgeous in any season, but there. what I like about it is that there's really something for everyone. So we got off the boat and we walked, we took the hard trail up from the dock, which was not super hard. It was challenging, I think, if we were, you know, not in the greatest shape or didn't feel like walking but it really wasn't long either so like you can you can push through it's a short walk and the you get right up into the park area and they have these huge flat fields you know it's bare mountain so you're not expecting nice flat parkland but there are like people picnicking playing frisbee there are barbecue areas there's fishing and then once you leave that area and start to head up into the trails there's a trailside museum and a little zoo the zoo was super cute. Yeah, I like that. I was very surprised. I wasn't expecting a zoo. Me either. If you're feeling sporty, there are biking and cross-country ski trails, as well as an outdoor ice rink from late October through mid-March. And of course, hiking. Mountain boasts 200 miles of trails, 50 different ones ranging from challenging to a leisurely stroll. 
we're working our way up. I'll, I'll get to I'll get to challenging someday. <laughs> you know, you've yet to balk at me when I say, "Hey, let's go climb this thing." You always say yes. You're a good sport. It's not because I love outdoors. It's because I'm in Aries and I can't. Say, I'm like, oh, I can I can do this. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm gonna think. If you were like, let's fly, I'd be like, yes, I can do that. <laughs> and of course, I don't exploit that to my own ends at all whatsoever. <laughs> The day we went, though, um, it was cold and like a little rainy on and off. And I was just not in the mood to like test the limits of my physical capabilities on a leafy, muddy trail. Get my feelings hurt. So we opted for the Hessian Lake Loop Trail, which a I like to say Hessian because I'm a Sleepy Hollow fan. But um, it's about a mile and a half loop around the lake. It's flat. It's paved, which, you know, is my jam. And it's such, it was such an easy walk. We were like, oh, a mile and a half. Okay, we'll take that walk and then we'll go for lunch. But it's actually such an easy walk. We just got lost in conversation. We did it twice for no reason. <laughs> like we, we came back around and we were like, oh, that seemed like 10 minutes. One more time. So that's we- <laughs> exactly how it went down because that's definitely how we are. We just get lost in talking. And before we know it, we've traveled way farther and just keep going. You know, um, the first- How many times have we driven past our exit? Because we're talking to each other in the car. So many times. And at it's not that bad when it happens, like, in the New York metro area. But when we're on a long road trip, we're like, wait, where are we? <laughs> not good. No. I leave GPS running sometimes so that doesn't happen. Like, even when we don't need it, just so a third voice in the car will remind me to turn. <laughs> it's definitely helpful. I, uh, I am dying to go back, though, and hit the Bear Mountain Loop Trail, the titular trail. Um, it's just shy of four miles, which is about like, like I can handle that's, that's right in my wheelhouse. No, no sweat. Well, probably a little sweat. (laughs) And this trail takes you to the top of the mountain. Um, my uncle climbed it. I've been dying because my uncle climbed it and he's like, it's so difficult, but it's so amazing. I'm like, Ooh, you said difficult and amazing. I'm in. (laughs) And on your descent, you actually cross a section of the Appalachian trail. Oh, that's cool. I've read there's actually a 16 mile of section of the Appalachian trail that runs through the park. The part that overlaps the Bear Mountain Loop features a thousand stone stairs installed by humans without the use of heavy machinery. When? How? That's impressive. I need to know everything about this. Right? <laughs> I need to look more into that. I have read the blogs of a couple folks who have done an Appalachian Trail, like done the full trail, and they've talked about the section that goes through Bear Mountain. Some have said, Oh, the descent of this trail is, you know, really nice. It's this thousand stone steps. That's so amazing. But some have mentioned how challenging it was to go up the stairs. So when we're ready for that Bear Mountain Loop, I have to make sure we're going in whichever direction has we going has us going down the stairs, not up the stairs. All right, we'll look ahead on that. Actually, uh, a friend's sister had hiked the Appalachian Trail. That's we right. We can probably ask her about we it. We can ask. That's so, I mean, the Appalachian Trail, um, if you aren't familiar, is a 2,000 mile hiking path. So when I say hike the Appalachian Trail, everyone's like, whoa, 2,000 miles. It runs from Maine to Georgia, which I didn't know. I knew it was big and long and impressive that you hiked this. But until I saw the trail marker at Bear Mountain, I was like, Georgia, like Georgia, Georgia, the state that's really far away from here. <laughs> that's that's incredible. I had I knew it was a significant undertaking, but no idea how long i'm even more impressed now yeah unfortunately the appalachian trail is also now a euphemism for cheating on your wife yeah yeah so when people say i was hiking the appalachian trail you have to consider the source yeah make sure you know what they're talking about we recently had a very big storm pass through 
the Northeast area in September. So there are a lot of storm closures in the Bear Mountain area right now. So unfortunately, I do want you to go and check it out. But this year, pretty much all the trails on the mountain are closed from store damage. And they're probably not going to be cleared before the winter. So you definitely want to double check out the parks.newyork.gov. Check out the Bear Mountain Park. See what trails are open. If you're thinking about climbing to the peak, I don't even think the road is open that goes up there. So you might have to wait till next year to do that. Yeah, it's because it's as it starts to get cold and snow is falling. Um, I mean, if you're itching to go, the, I know that the picnic grounds, the Lake Loop Trail and the museum and zoo are open. And of course, the uh, Bear Mountain Inn, you can have a, a nice warm lunch. I was going to say by the fire because in my head there's a fireplace, but I really don't remember. Uh, I want there to be a fireplace. I mean, it's a giant lodge looking structure. Right? There definitely should be a fireplace there. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, stopping there for lunch, getting a burger and a beer and just having a good time. I do want to go back there and get a proper meal in their restaurant when it's dinner time. Yeah, we had to leave. Uh, we had to be back at the dock by 445. So we had to have a super late lunch or early dinner. But it was still delicious. But I do want to go back. So if you're itching to head up there, the picnic grounds, which are going to be chilly, and that Lake Loop Trail, which you can apparently walk twice <laughs> and not notice, are all open. So it still makes a really nice day. If hiking around a mountain isn't for you, but you still want to see nature and leaves and some wildlife, then here's an unexpected suggestion. Check out the Bronx Zoo. Yes. The um, Bronx Zoo it was the Wildlife Conservation Society's flagship park, and it opened on November 8th in 1899. So we're actually coming up on that anniversary. Ooh, exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the park itself, it encompasses 265 acres of hardwood forest, but it's right in the middle of New York City. That's that's how I like my forestry. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be able to hear the city around. Sometimes you'll catch some really good like reggaeton or you'll hear a motorcycle go by and you're like, oh, right, I'm not in the middle of the woods. This is cool. Oh, if you're by that Southern Boulevard gate, yeah, you can definitely hear. You can hear like barbecues going on, yep. <laughs> smell barbecues sometimes, <laughs> but you, it's easy. I mean, if you go for the, far enough into the zoo, it's easy to forget that you're in the city. It's, it's a forest. Mm-hmm. We actually took our godchildren over the summer and it took us a full 30 minutes to get from the parking lot into the front gate because where we parked, it was, it was a Saturday afternoon. And so we were parked in like overflow parking. So we had to walk a bit and the way that it takes you is so beautiful there's you cross over the bronx river and there are all these plaques to read that tell you about the forestry and the animals and the nature the local wildlife and our our god kids they love to read and they love animal. they just they're learning kids mm-hmm. and so we stopped to read every plaque we stopped to look at every tree we found some squirrels it even before we got into the zoo, we were on like a nature hike. They got so excited about the squirrels. I'm like, man, if that's blowing your mind, just wait till we get inside. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and there's they're city kids. So it's just, you don't, we didn't have to leave the city. We were still in the Bronx, but it was just such a great nature experience. And we didn't even get, make it in the door yet. So. They recently added a zip line and ropes course uh, next to the parking lots that goes over the Bronx River. We did that. That was really cool. I enjoyed it. But uh, I definitely came up against my hubris that day. I was sad because the it starts. You can either choose to do the ropes course and the zip line or just the zip line. So we did both. And the zip line, you start with the zip line. You zip line across the Bronx River. I've said zip line 50 times, but it's really fun. And uh, that was a great way to start. But I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be at the end, like a reward for 
all the cool stuff you did. I'm so glad it was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have held on. I mean, you're strapped in, but I don't think I could have held on to a zip line at the end of the day. It was a lot of fun, but we took a couple of the easy courses first. And some of them end in like a fun little slide just like that. I think one we got to sit in like a kayak and zip down yeah. the kayak. That was kind of cool. But we did so well that I was like, let's move on to the harder courses. And I think we made it halfway through one of the hard ones and we had to get rescued because I had nothing left. I had climbing gloves. I was like, yes, I'm a mountaineer now. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But also, you know, no shame in my game. I, when they there are spotters all ac- all around the course, so as we, especially on the harder ones. So as you're doing it, they're there to say if you get stuck, you know, grab the blue thing or step over here, lean your body this way just in case. And they're watching, and so I guess they saw us fading, and they're like, "You guys okay?" And we were okay. We did one more uh, rope ladder thing that crosses over Harlem River Drive, and then we got to the end. We were just looking at the next thing to do, and they're like, "Do you, you need a rescue?" <laughs> yes. No please. shame in my game. I was like, "Yes, please come get me." And they just they clip a basket onto like a tree and just lower you down. It's it's two seconds. That I, was fun. I would be. I, it, I could see it being embarrassing if I embarrassed Easy, but no shame in my game. Come get me out of this tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the zoo is about thirty three dollars for adults, and I think twenty three dollars for kids. Yeah, um, I think kids under two are free, which All is right. cool. There you go. Uh, You also have to pay for parking. It's well worth it if you plan to be there for the whole day, though. That's definitely not a lot to pay for. You can't see it all in one day, I think. You can't. I mean, there is (laughs) there's a monorail and I always wind up riding the monorail because then you can just sit and see multiple animals without having to walk. We had a friend come up and there was a special exhibit at the zoo and her visit was during that. So I said, you got to come with us. And she She's a glamazon. I love her. Girl always looks, she's dressed to the nines. So I had to, I was like, you know, you have to bring sneakers, right? And like some sweatpants, like just regular people clothes. She's like, I don't own sneakers. I'm like, you have to buy sneakers. <laughs> it's a zoo. Yes. But there it's nature. There are hills. It's in the middle of the Bronx. They didn't, they didn't pave it flat for you. So it's going to be a day, but they do allow you to bring uh, food and drink. So yeah, it's a little bit spendy to walk in the door, but if you plan to be there for the whole day, you can um, you can bring snacks, you can bring drinks. I think they sell, of course, they sell food, but they sell like beer. So if it's been a lot and you need a drink, <laughs> you can have a drink. <laughs> they also have uh, trams that drive around the park the whole day. You can get on and off at certain spots. So if you really can't make that walk to the next exhibit, you can just go wait and they'll pick you up in about five minutes. Which is really nice. And um it's very, very helpful at the end of the day. And you're like, we parked where? <laughs> it's a nice little. If you're in the New York area, membership has its privileges. Oh, yes. I I think for the two of us, so at 33 bucks for the two of us, that's $66. If you plan to go at least twice, I think the membership is like 120 or 130 So it kind of pays for itself. And then you get to ride the monorail for free. You get to ride the trams for free. You get like discounts on snacks and i think gift shop stuff so that's pretty cool and this way you can get a little bit of nature anytime you want we we do this we're members and we live pretty close by so it's really nice to say on a sunday afternoon oh, i don't have anything else to do and i don't feel like driving up to bear mountain or um blue mountain to go to 
let's just go to the zoo. Yeah. We can take a nice walk, get some steps in, and see some sea lions. <laughs> the sea lions are always cute. Those are my homies. They have a lot of cool special events at the zoo, too. We've definitely gotten on the list for those as part of the membership. They do a holiday lights event at the zoo, which is really cool. They did a brew at the zoo event, which was less than cool, but <laughs> it was the it was, idea was cool. The idea was cool, but it was just so crowded. There were so many people. The lines for drinks were just so long. Um, I don't think I'd do that again, but you can check it out. It don't let me discourage night. you. I mean, if you can also do, um, I think they have designated driver tickets. So if you weren't waiting online for like drinks, drinks, there was great food and the exhibits, some of the animal exhibits were open well past when the zoo closes so that's kind of cool and much like when we do any nighttime museum thing everybody was there to drink they weren't there to see the animals so we got to it's kind of like having a private zoo is awesome (laughs) i'm a little split on how i feel about zoos because you know not not every zoo is the bronx zoo sometimes we say like let's go to the zoo and people like zoos are awful which yeah some zoos are awful but i feel like every time we go either here or to the smithsonian um Smithsonian Zoological Park. I always say DC Zoo, but it's the Smithsonian Zoological Park. Mm, Fancy. We always see um, animals whose habitats are being destroyed by humans or animals who have been hunted to near extinction and like basically resurrected. (laughs) So the fact that this is a wildlife conservation society park, not just like a random collection of animals that we're calling a zoo, it makes me feel better. And so I feel better about take all my money, save the animals. (laughs) Yeah, at least we know that you're admission is going towards a good cause. It's going towards the care of these animals. It's going towards conservation efforts. They have a lot of informative plaques and videos spread all throughout the zoo talking about the conservation efforts that they spearhead and the work that's being done. So overall, I think they do more good than harm. I think so. Um, And it's also, you know, it's, it's a great way to see nature. Normally when we're out seeing nature, I don't want to see any wildlife like beyond a deer. (laughs) If I, if I hear something growl or bark, it's not a good sign. So it's nice to be able to see these animals and they do a lot of programs as well. You can hang out with a, I think it's a leopard. You can hang out with a leopard. You can feed the giraffes and they really, again, we went to the zoo on a field trip in second, no first grade. Oh my gosh. First grade. And it stuck with, we played with a monitor lizard. Like for the longest time, I told everyone I had a picture of me with a Komodo dragon and they were like, no, you don't. No, <laughs> it wasn't a Komodo dragon. I just liked saying dragon. It's a monitor lizard. And I'm, I'm in my forties now. And that stuck with me. It's such a great way to inspire a love of nature in anyone, but especially city kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it helps. I think New York city has, such a great system of parks that just because you are in the city doesn't mean you can't be exposed to nature. The The Central Park Conservancy, oh specifically, gosh. they offer several tours depending on what you want to see, how long you want to walk. They have a birding tour. They have movie locations tours for things that have been filmed in the park. All a good excuse to just go outside and get exposed to a little nature. Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't call it New York City's backyard for nothing. Um, there's a ramble foliage tour, which, I mean, there's a ramble tour, but right now it's the ramble foliage tour. Mm. Um, if you watch Law and Order, that's where all the murders take place. <laughs> so for a long time, I did not want to go in there, but. It's not that bad though. Exactly. And re- I remember the first time you were like, we could cut through the ramble. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're going to die. In real life, it's a 36 acre section, which again, that's pretty big. At the middle of the park, 
where it's just like a little extra woodsy. There are paths. It's on the map. There are other people. You're not going to get murdered. It's, it's gorgeous. At the north end is that little tiny castle. Exactly. Like it's, you know, it's always the ramble with you, Law and Order. Give us a bad name. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, the Conservatory Garden Tour, named after the Glass Conservatory, built at this mm. location in 1899. It's a private, but not actually private, garden within the park. So it's well manicured, very well taken care of, and it's a beautiful spot to take pictures. It really is. I think you can get a permit to take wedding photos there. And that was the first place I looked at um, for our wedding, but it it was small. We had a really big wedding. <laughs> we did. Our, our families alone can't fit in the conservatory garden. There's also the Arch to Arch Tour, which takes you past 30 unique arches and bridges in the park. I really wish I didn't know that specific number because now I clearly need to go <laughs> And catalog every single, like I knew there were a lot, but now that I know there are 30, I need like my little passport traveler's journal. I need to go catalog these things. Oh my God. (laughs) When we went to Philly last weekend and there was that travel passport with like all the parks, I was very tempted to buy it just to have something to check off. You know, that's all right. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to put this on the website. You know, I make in my spare time, I spare time. Like that's a thing as a hobby. I am also a bookbinder. So I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this Central Park. Moving on. (laughs) There's also the iconic views of Central Park tour, which is like the if you if you're just going to pick one, if you're in New York for the day or you just want to you've never been to Central Park. That's definitely the one because it takes you past not just 30 specific bridges, but uh, the high points and the most iconic landmarks. So like Bow Bridge, Cherry Hill, whenever we have picnics, we're always giving our friends these landmarks and they're like i don't know what that is how do you take the tour (laughs) and uh, of course our fave spot in the park bethesda fountain that's where we got married that is where we got married so um you can for it it was 25 dollars a million years ago i don't know what it is now but you can get a permit to gather anywhere in central park we chose that spot and had that area to ourselves for a couple hours and that's where we had our wedding. It's pretty awesome. But um, you can you can see it as part of this tour. Tours run about $25 to $35 and they can be booked on centralparknyc.org. You took a tour that was not on that list. Yes, <laughs> I took a foraging tour in Central Park. So it's important to mention that I have no idea if this tour is sanctioned by the NYC Parks Department or not. Uh, Wild Man Steve Brill is the tour guide. He's been doing foraging tours in New York City since the 80s. And in fact, was famously arrested for it. Oh did you know this when you went on the tour? I did not. Okay. <laughs> you uh, still would have gone, though. Yeah, I, yeah he was arrested in 86, I think. Uh, and then because of the outcry of this guy, he's basically showing people like there's all this edible plants around you in the city if you know the things and know where to look. So he worked for the Parks Department for a while. They came to a deal and they allowed him to give the tours that were sanctioned. They just wanted to make sure he wasn't harvesting from rare endangered plants. Oh, right, right. That makes sense. Which the guy is an expert at this point. He knows which plants he can pull from, which ones he can't. So he did that for a while. And then he left after some butting of heads with administrators. He's still giving tours. I guess at this point, the city just can't be bothered to stop him. Yeah. it's, It's... It's grass and leaves. You can't... what Right? It's He knows what he's doing. So, he's written several books on foraging. He showed us a number of edible plants that were right there in Central Park. It was very educational. 
I went with a couple of my outdoorsy friends. We all had a great time. Plus, it gave me the confidence to go on that foraging-themed camping trip where we brought zero food with us. And I know. But look, (laughs) we managed to use some of that knowledge from this tour to keep myself fed. For that whole weekend, we didn't starve. We made it there. So I definitely learned something from that tour. He also does tours in other parts of NYC, including Prospect Park in Brooklyn and Forest Park in Queens. I learned a lot. If you're interested in learning about wild edible plants, highly recommend taking Steve Brill, his foraging tour. I've mentioned it to a couple folks who were looking into like, I think REI does a foraging tour and I love, I love me some REI, but he gave such a high endorsement of this. I, I had to pass it on. So I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about it because this is real world experience. You know, this guy got arrested for it in 1986 and felt so strongly that he kept doing it. Respect. <laughs> this is his thing. This is what he does. It's important. There are a lot, you know, we've become so obsessed with manicured lawns. Uh, people forget that, you know, plants are also food. Food is everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're looking for a more October-y kind of tour, though, something specifically spooky, we, we've got a plan for that, too. Ah, yes. <laughs> Still takes place in the city. It was the Ghosts and Gangsters of New York City tour. Although it was mostly a gangster's tour. Which is honestly why it appealed to me. Um, we have a friend whose nickname involves the word, not gangster, I'm sorry, gangsta. <laughs> and so... I. I don't know, maybe I text that a lot or I write that a lot, but it popped up in my Instagram feed and I was like, ooh, gangsters and ghosts. Love this. So we had a friend visiting from out of town and that, you know, that's when you do this potentially cheesy tourist stuff. Mm -hmm. So we chose to do it and it was an amazing evening. It started way, way downtown. We got a little bit lost trying to find the starting point. Yeah, it was a little difficult. I think it started in Chinatown or a little south of there. Uh, so we're just kind of looking at our map and on our phone and thinking, okay, I think it's this way, but we managed to find the groups of people gathering around. So that was a good indicator that we had found where we're supposed to be. It was in that magical section of the city where nothing's a grid anymore. So right off the bat, we were off to a good start. Cause I was like, great. I'm on the, I haven't even made it to the tour yet. And I'm staying a part of the city that I don't know about. So cool. <laughs> it was a long tour is about two hours long, but it has a lot of stops where you're you know, they explain, this is why this building is significant. This is a cool thing that happened here. Or maybe a not cool, a horrifying thing that happened here. And they did uh, build in a bathroom break, which was nice. Because, yes, you it's two hours long and we're stopped, but it's outdoors. So you stopped outside of a building talking. And you can't exactly, like, ring the doorbell and ask to pee. So it was nice that they built in a bathroom break and a gelato stop, which was great. Because we went in the summer. It was a little hot. So there's a long part of it that goes through Chinatown and Little Italy. And of course, you're talking about those gangs. If you're familiar with the gang history of New York, you might know some of these stories already. Some of them have been embellished for movies and TV and things like that. But I feel that a lot of the info there was presented in a very respectful way. They're not glorifying the violence. They're just telling the stories of what happened there. Yeah, it was more of a historical type of, t- I mean, recent history. But it was done in a very respectful way, although I'll say you, they still come up with some folks who didn't feel like doing the tour at all was respectful. So at one point, someone walked by and honestly, I didn't pay him much attention. It was just a guy yelling on the street, which happens. So it's New York. But apparently he overheard some of what was being told and didn't agree or didn't agree with it being like 
storyfied and was yelling at our tour guide, which I did not realize. <laughs> but uh, he was a pro and I guess used to it. So he just kind of took it in stride and didn't feel unsafe at any moment. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, it's one guy yelling. There were like 15 of us. Yeah, right. What's he going to do? <laughs> we could take him. Uh, but I mean, he also didn't like stop and yell. He just kept walking and like voiced his displeasure. Mm. But the tour guide took it in stride. You're right. Took it in stride and was just like, yeah, that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. So moving on. And yeah, I didn't feel unsafe at all. It was totally fine. Yeah. This is one of those activities where your guide really matters. It was like walking through the city with that one friend who just knows all the tea, you know, <laughs> all the players and every significant historical date. I felt like I was really informed by the end of it. It, I, I really did. It kind of made me feel a little old sometimes because especially when they got to the part about the Ravenite Club and like John Gotti, I was like, I remember that. So they were talking about his trial and how it shifted alliances and the way it, I'm not going to give it away, but just talking about the John Gotti days, I felt old because I was like, oh, that was in the headline. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I, I was here for that. It's a long walk, but it does end in Washington Square Park, which was nice because I think by the end of it, I was ready for a good sit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did it in sandals. It wasn't the worst. They were squishy sandals. But yeah, you're you're on your feet for a bit. And then we wound up in the park, which was really nice. We hung out and then we went to get fries after. Mm, this is always nice. <laughs> yeah. So we weren't like beat by the end of it. It's a long walk, but we weren't like dead tired. We had enough. I always have energy to get fries, but we had enough energy to get fries. <laughs> So you can book through Viator or get your guide. It's $35. Sometimes you can find it for a little less on Groupon, but I definitely enjoyed it. It was really cool. And uh, I highly recommend anyone who wants a spooky tour of NYC, check out the Ghosts and Gangsters tour. I did love that. Spooky with a little little twist of history. Speaking of history, and spooky actually, um, we are coming up on the 50th anniversary of the Village Halloween Parade. No way! I did not realize that until I looked into it. I was like, okay, it's, we're coming up on Halloween. Got to do the parade. It was, you know, it's been less than stellar for the past couple years because of the pandemic. So it's time to come back together and parade through the streets. So I kind of took a deep dive into the history. It's the 50th anniversary. Um, it is, if, you're, if you've never heard of it, never seen it. I actually spoke to someone today who lives in New York, born and raised, never been. Really? Where you been? I, she, she's a Brooklyn girl. I, I just, you know, and I, I was, I grew up a Brooklyn girl too, but my parents went to school in Manhattan and they always took me. It is, if you're not familiar, it showcases New York City in its truest form. Mm-hmm. You know, New York City gets a bad rap on TV, in blogs, and uh, it's loud, it's dirty, everyone's mean. No, it, it's loud, it's weird, it's colorful, it is accepting of everyone in every form. It is the most fun you can have in public. <laughs> the couple of years that we've marched in the parade have been so much fun for me. I always have a good time going down there. It's cool to see the creativity and just the celebration. Everybody having a good time. I love the Village Halloween Parade. You know, I'm always impressed by the creativity. And so just to give a little bit of the background, because it's always a good time for us, but I in learning about it, have so much more of an appreciation. Like the best things in New York City and about New York City, the parade grew out of a community. Mm -hmm. Uh, It started with one man in 1973, multi, multi, multi hyphenate, Ralph Lee. He's an actor, a writer, producer, designer. He was a mask maker. Is he me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) We do everything. He must, yeah. (laughs) And 
puppeteer. Yes, actually, <laughs> you might know some of his puppetry work. He was the creator of the Land Shark on Saturday Night Live. You might remember those skits. Which I, when you told me that, I I didn't I wasn't familiar with the Land Shark. Um, and so you showed me, you showed me some of it and it's just classic, classic humor. It, how many years later, it's still hilarious. We were still laughing. Um, when I think of land shark, I think of left shark, Katy Perry, but mm. this was like the left shark's like great granddaddy. Love it. <laughs> um, so Ralph Lee thought it would be a fun idea to parade some of his creations through the streets of the village for his kids and their friends. So the following year, the event gained a partner and was produced as part of the City in the Streets program, encompassing a few more streets. By the third year, the parade, now with a capital P, <laughs> formed a nonprofit and took on a life of its own, getting bigger and better every damn year. And after the seventh year, uh, Mr. Lee retired, and a longtime participant and lover of the parade, because you, you if you've seen it, you'll love it, <laughs> uh, Jeannie Fleming took over as the artistic and producing director, and she's actually been the producing director for the 43 of the parade's 50 years. She, wow. she took over after the seventh year, and she is still doing it, um, growing it into the event that we know today. It was designated at, by Festivals International as the best event in the world for Halloween. And I, I thoroughly agree. Hey, Jeannie Fleming, you know her. Aren't you guys besties? Oh, yeah, that's my homegirl. Um, so, <laughs> so one year... I want to say 2015, I think it was 2015, we were out for uh, Paul's birthday, and I won't say I was drunk, <laughs> because I wasn't, it was it was mid-afternoon, but you know, your birthday, Paul's birthday is in September, and around September is when it starts to get chilly, we start to think about other times we'll get together, revelry, and we start to talk costumes, so we were at brunch, and one of our friends is very, very tall, he's a big dude, six. Six, seven? Six, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a big dude. And one of our other friends had her son with her, who was 14 at the time, and he's he's very small. And so we were talking, Mad Max had recently come out, and someone said, is anyone else seeing Master and Blaster here? And we were like, yes. <laughs> we don't know how we're going to do it, but we're making you guys into a costume. So the Mad Max, there were about 15 of us at, at brunch at this, at this huge table. And we started to pick out more and more, oh, I could be this. You can be a war boy. I can do this. We should get a junker and drive it in the parade. So I wasn't, you know, blackout or anything. I just don't fully recall. <laughs> there is a combination of drinks when consumed. You should probably take my phone away from me. <laughs> oh, great. I think the last time was at Rudy's and I ordered a bunch of Peace Out skincare, uh, which worked out because those patches are great. Yeah. So I do not know. I don't know the exact order of events. But we just, to my knowledge, we just had a great conversation about Halloween. It was great. And then the next morning, I got an email from Jeannie Fleming that said, that sounds really interesting. Please tell me more. I don't remember what I emailed her. <laughs> but this email thread led to us getting special permission to have a vehicle in the village Halloween parade. So maybe don't take my phone away from me when I have that combination of drinks. I'm really persuasive, I guess. Yeah. Um, it didn't wind up coming together because the Mets made it to the World Series that year. Yeah. The one time they do their jobs, they tanked my plans. But we so we didn't have the vehicle, but we did actually go as Mad Max. Uh, a friend, one of my friends and I were 
the wives, you were a war boy, and we had Max, and there was some special effects, there was some glow lighting. Yeah, I think we, we recreated the scene where uh, he's hauling around the car door yes. with Max attached to it with the big bloodline between them, the two of them. So that was, that was a hoot. It was a very cool group costume. And Wait. I got to spray my face with a silver cake spray, so that was cool too. Yes, the, it's so interactive. Walking in the parade, you feel like you feel like a rock star. You feel like you feel like Madonna. There were a couple times where people recognize your the parade moves really slowly, and so people recognized your costume, and you were able to go over and like spray the silver spray and do the line from the movie, and people loved it. So it was just a really amazing time. Every time we go, we see something incredible we saw that one of the first years we went we saw someone who was an angel of death and he had this huge sword floating behind him with like fishing wire and magnets but like it just there was nothing when you at first glance you couldn't see it it was this huge sword floating behind him he was just walking around like that it's incredible I mean, we always see the the cool costumes like jellyfish. Oh, I love the jellyfish. Giant skeletons. And yeah. I think um, we once we even saw the ultimate warrior on the E-train. That was so incredible. I have so many pictures. The, the fun starts even before you get to the parade. <laughs> we used to go um, after work. We used, to, we used to both work in Manhattan. And so we would try to meet up. But it wasn't the best because you have to get there really early to see anything because I'm five feet tall. Yeah, the sidewalks start filling in pretty early. Yeah. One year, we got separated on opposite sides of the street because we thought we could just meet up on the street, but we got out at different subways. And so I was at one point tapping. They were letting traffic through, but not people. So I was tapping on windows, asking strangers to drive me across the street. <laughs> no. Don't. Do not recommend. I mean, they were. I made eye contact with police officers. You can't really go very far, but... No one took me up on it. <laughs> Probably the for the best. Yeah. One year, we missed a lot of the parade. We met up. So after that, we met up before getting on the subway. Lesson learned. But we missed a lot of the parade because the stop where we exited the subway didn't have horizontal turnstiles. It had the tall, spinny ones. And there was a T-Rex stuck in the, I'm going to say, turns, you know, the tall, spinning turnstile. And his tail was caught in the other one <laughs> so no one could get out of the subway so we had to like fight the crowd to get back on the train get off at a different stop and walk down but now it's really fun to say remember that time we got stuck in the subway because of the t-rex yes uh really ridiculous this is when we realized the best view of the parade is from the inside yes um when i mentioned earlier that it's accepting of everyone um, there isn't really, you don't have to get a special permit. You don't have to apply. You don't have to pay anything. It's a free event in New York City, which it really, it's community driven. So you just have to be at the lineup before the parade steps off and be in costume. You can't just show up and walk. You have to put in some effort, mm -hmm. but um, you don't have to go crazy. We went as the X-Men, I think, our first year. Ah, uh, yes. And I just put on a white wig and a cape. Like, I, I already look like Storm, so that was... <laughs> you have to put in a little effort. <laughs> uh, we did Guardians of the Galaxy one year, which was probably our best group costume ever, because I think we had the most participants at that point. We did. We had the most participants, and we had good guys and bad guys. We had foam weapons, so yeah. we were, like, fighting each other. We made it into... We made it onto, like, a couple of websites that year. That was super fun. Yeah, I think we did... Uh... 
uh, Lana Kane and Archer from the Archer cartoons, yes, wearing hair, which was, was basically just me wearing a suit and a wig. And yeah, I put my hair in a ponytail and it gave me an excuse to buy thigh high boots. Yes. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And I learned I love sweater dresses. But it's just, I mean, the crowd is interactive. It's New York City's amazing creativity on full display. And it's also super chill. It's every level of creativity. So for every eight foot tall Jack Skellington on drywall stilts, there's also like a giant Metro card or people in like peanut butter and jelly costumes from Party City. Sure, you just, sure. You know, you just have to, it's the spirit of the event. You just have to make sure you show up on time to get into the into the lineup and just be ready mm-hmm. to have a blast. It's about a mile, like 1.2. It's a little over a mile, um, but it's on the street, so you don't have to worry about that. Honestly, it'll be over before you know it, and then you're just going to be kind of sad because you're like, oh, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you go out to eat after, and everyone's still in costume, so you see like a giant... Um, cheese trying to like get through the door of a bar (laughs) or something or like you see the mouse looking for their where's my cheese it's one year i saw a very inebriated woman not realizing that a um nypd officer was actually an nypd officer not a man in costume oh and just i mean it was a positive engagement she was just screaming in his face about how realistic his costume was <laughs> and how much she loved it and he, Ooh, i hope the overtime was worth it buddy. yeah he just <laughs> he looked like he had had about enough fun for the night he was, he was done <laughs> if you're not close enough to join in the fun you can always watch the live broadcast on new york one at Halloween-NYC.com. The parade steps off at 7, and so I think the coverage probably starts at 6.30, so get some popcorn, get ready to watch some really fun stuff. I, we can't oversell it enough. It's Not at so all. cool. <laughs> um, that's about a wrap for us on the list of fall fun. Yeah. Just make sure you're dressing warmly while you're out there. Make sure you got your gloves and your hat and your infinity scarves. Go out. Have an autumn adventure. Oh, I like that one. It's better (laughs) than fall fun. (laughs) Until next time, stay safe on the road. We'll see you out there.